When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more, right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. Thank you for listening to Positively Trek, and we want to give a shout-out to our patrons on Patreon, including Carl Morris, Joyce Marin, Jim Stoffel, Dave Garcia, Rick Young, and Paul D. Kinnear. We want to thank you for your contributions to the podcast. Now, if you would like to be a patron on Patreon, you can join us at patreon.com slash positively trek, where you get early access to episodes, exclusive content, shout outs, and associate producer credits. So thank you again for listening. And now let's fly. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Positively Trek with your hosts, myself, Dan Gunther, and my co-host, Bruce Gibson. Bruce, how's it going today? I'm doing great. (laughs) I mean, why not? We're going to talk about Star Trek. I mean, just like this is the highlight of the day. Oh, I hear you. I love talking Trek with you. And I think we've got a fun episode for you today. Uh, We're going to be talking about the pets of Star Trek. And I mean, who doesn't like pets, right? So, uh, you know, we sat down, we are, I, I came up with a list of pets and there's a lot more than you'd think. And I'm sure I missed some and we're going to talk about that. It's going to be a lot of fun, but we've also got some news to cover before we get to that as well. So actually, first of all, Bruce, do you have a pet? Have you ever owned a pet? I have. I've had several pets over the years. I think the first pet I had was a guinea pig. That's when I was real little. Then we had a parakeet for a while. And then I remember having a rabbit. And then there was a gap for a while. And then we got a dog. And that's the only, when I was a kid, I, I don't want to depress anyone now that I think about it. But I mean, we had my dog for seven years. And I loved my dog. And he's the only dog I've ever had. And oh, wow. He. He, somebody shot him. <laughs> so, oh, no. I know. It was sad. It was a oh, very... Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't eat for a day. Even when McDonald's food was presented to me, I still wouldn't eat it. I just wouldn't eat. And then there was a oh. gap with no pets until... Well, no. And then I had fish. I, got, I won two fish at a carnival. And those lasted for a number of years. I mean, from, oh, wow. I think, middle school through high school into college. And I've never, I've mm-hmm. had goldfish throughout the years and they, they come and go pretty quickly, but I guess I did a good job with these. I had an aquarium and I, they lasted uh, almost a decade, uh, maybe not quite that long, but when I went away to Oxford for a summer to study theater, I came back and one of the fish had committed suicide. My parents were like, we don't know what happened. We came in your room and it was lying on the floor. It must've missed you and jumped out of the water. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, so then I so had the sorry. one and then we were moving and I couldn't take care of it. So I released it into the wild, into a pond. And, but since then, then it had pets for a long time until shortly before I got married, I got a cat because a girlfriend of mine was like, you need a pet, you need a pet. So I got a cat and then when I married my wife, she had a cat and then those cats passed away. And now we have two twin sisters that are about five years old now. So that's, oh, wow. that's my quick and dirty pet stories. What about you? Yeah, I, I mean, I've had dogs all my life growing up uh, out on my parents' farm. Really great companions, just so many great memories, uh, especially uh, one dog that I had for most of my life named Jazz. Just a great dog. She was an amazing border collie, incredibly smart. Uh, we've also had cats out on the farm. They're, you know, pets, but mostly, you know, mousers that, you know, lived on the farm and took care of the mouse problems for us. So, you know, pets slash uh, working cats, I guess. And I, I think I had a hamster when I was really young. I, I remember having a hamster. I don't remember a lot about him, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I had a hamster. And, and then uh, we had fish for a while as well at my parents' place. Since being on my own, I've, you know, lived in a bunch of apartments where I couldn't have pets and all, all that right. sort of stuff. 
Uh, now I have my own house with my wife, Nikki, and we keep talking about getting a dog, getting a puppy at some point, but it hasn't happened yet. But with, uh, with Nikki, we also did have a pair of gerbils for a while here. She's had gerbils uh, most of her life growing up. So we had a, we had a pair here as well for a little while. That's, that's the last pets that have been in this house though, were a couple of gerbils. So maybe a dog someday. So have you ever named any of your pets after something in fandom? Oh yes. Yeah. Uh, lots of cats over the years. I remember there was one really big puffy cat that I called Tribble. <laughs> nice. I love it. <laughs> and I did have a dog at one point named Dax. Wow. When With I was younger. Yeah. Symbiont in it? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not. Usually if there's worms in your dog, it's a bad thing. Oh, yes. So... <laughs> I remember those. <laughs> but yeah. And, and. I'm, I'm sure there were cats over the years that I, I can't remember their names, but I know that I did go for some Star Trek names at some point. Yeah. The two cats we have now, my do- they're really my daughter's cats, so they named them. But my cat before that was Leia, as in Princess Leia oh, from Star nice. Wars. But I, I did try several Star Trek names, but my girlfriend at the time, we got the cat together. I mean, it was my cat, but you know, she was involved in the whole thing and every day you might come up with, no, we're not naming something Star Trek. No, we're not naming Star Wars. And then I said, Leia. And she thought I was shortening Himalaya. She goes, oh yeah. Huh. Cause the, she's part Himalaya. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Short for Himalaya. And then we went to the vet and I signed the card. L E I A is her name. She goes, that's a weird way to spell it. I'm like, that's how princess Leia spells it. She goes, Oh, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) So I got her. I got her. (laughs) So I won. But yeah, but we'll get more into pets later. You know, someday I want a dog named Con so that like we're out at the dog park or something, they're far away and I could just yell, Con! (laughs) (laughs) That would do it. Now, would you yell it like Kirk or like Spock? Oh, (laughs) Kirk. (laughs) Nice. Oh man. But yeah, well, like you say, we'll get to the pet talk later as far as Star Trek pets, because we do have a little bit of Star Trek news, not a ton, but some things to mention here. The first of which is Star Trek Strange New Worlds has officially wrapped its production on season one. So I'll have a link to a story over on Trek Core where there's a video available if apparently you are in the right geographical region. Uh, with Anson Mount announcing the wrapping of production on season one. So with the wrap of season one production, Bruce, how excited are you for Strange New Worlds? Well, I'm extremely excited, especially the news we got on Star Trek Day. You know, seeing the cast and the characters that we're getting. I mean, I've been excited about this thing before they ever announced it, hoping that they were going to do this, especially when we're seeing scenes in short tracks, thinking, is this a test to see about making a series with these characters on the Enterprise. So I'm really pumped about this. It's it's on its way and it's going to be released sometime in 2022. So, you know, the infamous month of sometime and the particular day in that month being someday. So presumably after Picard is done, Picard we know is coming in February after Discovery wraps its run. So presumably sometime in the spring after Picard is when we'll see this, but no set release date yet. Yeah. As long as it's not December of 2022, that's just like way too long. No, but yeah, I can handle spring. I can handle summer. I can, I can wait because we're getting so much other Star Trek stuff. So, I mean, if this was the only thing that we were getting, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I want something like soon. But because I know we're getting all these other Star Trek series in the meantime, it's like, okay, I I can wait. Well, the only other piece of news that I want to touch on briefly is something we've talked about before, but it has now since happened. And that is, of course, William Shatner journeying to the edge of space aboard the Blue Horizon. I I wanted to talk about this a little bit because I was a little bit, I think, last week when we talked about it, dismissive of this and just kind of a little bit blasé about it. And I still... I have to admit, I still have mixed feelings about it. I still have various warring views in my head, many of which are hypocritical. Like if I had the opportunity to do this, yeah, I would absolutely do this. So, you know, my criticism of it was probably a little bit hypocritical last week. But I wanted to touch on this again because 
I did watch not live, but I did watch uh, the the launch and the the return to Earth and the comments by William Shatner afterwards. And I do have to say, I was really moved. I was really amazed by the profound emotion that Mr. Shatner displayed and and this experience gave him because it it was really moving and and his observations about, you know, the thinness of our atmosphere and how quickly he blasts through it and just how small everything is compared to, you know, the, the depths of space and all of this stuff. It was really profound and moving. And I I just wanted to make a comment that uh, I'm really envious of him for having this experience and uh, it it was way more moving than I ever thought it could be. I am so glad to hear you say that because, yeah, I, I was surprised that you put this in the notes because I did want to talk about it. And I knew you were kind of like, eh, you know, about the whole thing. And I was like, Dan probably doesn't want to talk about it. But it, it was something that, you know, I did feel emotional about when I watched it because I did watch it live. I, That's cool. That was kind of an accident. It wasn't planned. I, I mean, I wanted to see it live, but I wasn't sure when and when. And I just like, whatever. But it just so happened that that morning I got up and have a TV in our bathroom. I turned on the news and they were watching the clock saying, oh, he's going to, you know, they're going to take off in about 45 minutes. But the clock has been halted. And so we don't know what's going on, but probably in the next, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. And I was about to come down to my office for work. And I thought, well, I'll just stream it live, not using the news site, but I went to the Blue Horizons website and watched it live there. And I mean, my heart was starting to pump because I remember watching the Challenger live. And anytime Mm -hmm. I watch Mm -hmm. anything go out into space live, I get those feelings of, of, oh my God, I hope nothing bad happens. Watching this take off and now knowing that William Shatner's on there, I thought, oh my gosh, again, it's like, oh, I hope it everything goes fine. And what if something happens? I mean, I could be sitting here watching the death of Captain Kirk right now, <laughs> like, you know, and I was just like, this, this is a bit scary, but I was also very excited because as I'm watching it go up into the horizon going, you know, deep up in, well, not deep into space, but just, just going up into space. I just thought this is a big Star Trek moment. Because as the commentators are talking about, and I knew that the news outlets, of course, would also always reference Star Trek. And I mean, this is a flight that is being acknowledged towards Star Trek because William Shatner's on there. And I thought, you know, Star Trek's about going to the stars, and now we're seeing one of its stars going up. And it's it just it meant something just just to see that and know that he was having that experience and the others that were with him. Anybody that goes up into space, I just it just means a lot. And just to see how that rocket just lands itself back down perfectly on the Incredible pad. Incredible technology. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I just was like, are you kidding me? And I started to tear up. <laughs> I was just like, this is great. And then they landed and waited a while and stuff. And, yeah, all the things that he said about the blue. And it just, like, quickly goes away. And it's just black. It's just nothingness. And he's like, is that death? Death, he called it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, chilling yeah and it's just thinking because i mean of course i don't know the man personally but i've heard him talk about things of like you know he's 90 years old and he's he's afraid of death you know and he's he keeps himself busy because it's like his way of running from death if he keeps himself busy he won't die i've heard him say that Mm -hmm. and just that kind of experience of like here's another thing he's doing you know something big and that experience of like is that death you know i'm thinking well that That's the thing he runs away from. So he probably was scared when that happened, put some fear into him. But yeah, now he's, you know, he's humble about the whole experience. And it's just, I I mean, it's like he said, and I've heard others say it, you you can't put it into words. You know, you think you know what it's going to be like because you hear it, but until you actually experience it, there's no way to describe it. Mm -hmm. And I love that he said that everybody on the planet needs to experience this. And Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yes, please. But no, even besides that, like what a profound life changing experience. And he also said something that resonated. He said, I hope I never recover from this. Mm -hmm. And I just I love that line. That was that was amazing as well. And uh, yeah. So at 90 years old now, the uh, the official 
oldest person to go to space as well. So uh, Captain Kirk and William Shatner entering the history books uh, as usual, (laughs) you know, so very, very cool. Yeah. One of the astronauts in quotes that went up who actually formerly worked at NASA, I think his name's Chris. He mentioned that I think this is before the flight that this is a historical moment, not just this flight, but even the one before it, that now we have just regular citizens going into space. And so the history books will reflect on this. Mm-hmm. And at some point it will be become something that's more common and people will be living in the space, but they'll look back at these moments as these were the first. And isn't it cool that Star Trek is a piece of that, you know, it's, yeah, it's just really cool. The whole thing. I mean, even just like, you know, what happened in the 20th century of getting to space and those are trained astronauts. And now here we are in the early 21st century and just regular citizens, you know, that's, that's the next step right there. That's just happened. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point as well about this being in the history books and possibly influencing and, and giving inspiration to the next generation and, and the, the people that come afterwards, you know, we, we can talk about memes and, and funny stuff, but there was one that I loved where it was screen grabs from the episode metamorphosis where Kirk meets Zephram Cochran, the inventor of warp drive. Kirk says, I've always wanted to ask, what was your inspiration? What made you decide to go to the stars? And he said, well, I was a young kid and I really liked television and movies. And there was one actor named William Shatner and he went to space and it, it inspired me to create the warp drive. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of funny. But you know, the serious takeaway from that is, yeah, this could absolutely inspire people to do the next thing. You know, there's, there's definitely reasons behind it and, and all that kind of stuff. So I, I I don't want to be as blase dismissive about it as maybe I was last week when we talked about it. Yeah. And this might inspire some people to watch Star Trek, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that too. (laughs) You know, I mean, man's first steps on the moon in 69 and Star Trek hitting syndication all was like perfect timing. People were all of a sudden really interested in the space program. And now we may see this because resurrection of excitement about space, because normal people are going to say, look, there's people like me going up there. I don't have to have gone through all this education and become an astronaut. You know, it's, that's something I'll never achieve, but now I'm seeing people like myself that can go there. I mean, yeah, it's expensive. (laughs) You know, you don't have the money for it. But now we're starting to see that regular people could go to space. So it starts to feel more real. And, oh, there's that Star Trek guy. And you know what? I need to start watching that Star Trek series. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Well, we'll keep our eyes on the real prize here, which is increased subscriptions to Paramount+. Plus. So <laughs> That's the whole point right there, people. <laughs> Well, if you want to subscribe to Paramount Plus and watch Star Trek, you might see some furry friends that populate those episodes of the various series and films that make up the Star Trek universe. And that's what we're talking about in the discussion part of the episode today, the pets of Star Trek. And for this one, I've gotten a I've I've used a fairly broad definition of pet for some of these. But uh, they're all, every single thing that I have on this list here is on the list for a reason. Now, before we started recording, Bruce, you said I might be missing some from this list, which I'm excited to hear about because this was all just off the top of my head. And I'm sure I've missed stuff and I'm excited to see what we have to add to the list. So, yeah. Uh, well, I've noticed that even before we start recording, you added two more. So they're they're still popping in your head. <laughs> they do. Yeah, there are a few that are popping into my head. And I have kind of two lists going. I have like the list of pets. And then I have honorable mentions that, you know, maybe don't get to be on the premiere list. But, you know, we should mention them because I think they deserve a little shout out as well. So Yeah, and this was going to be our topic two weeks ago before Noah crashed the party. Noah Aberback cats. So <laughs> this list was done two weeks ago and you're still adding to it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's funny you bring, bring up Noah Aberback cats because, first of all, cats. Ha ha ha. Ah, yes. 
<laughs> but second of all, his character of Rin in Star Trek Discovery did get to interact with one of the pets on our list in a very memorable scene. And that, of course, is Grudge, Book's cat, the queen, the big, huge Maine Coon cat that we met in season three of Star Trek Discovery. So uh, I'm, I'm going to go kind of jump all over this list in various orders. We're not going to, I'm not going to stick to a particular order. So I figure this is a good place to start. Grudge definitely made her presence known in season three of Discovery and led to some great scenes between her and Book, her and Commander Burnham, and her and Tilly, and of course her and Rin in one of my favorite scenes when he's freaking out when she's on his lap and the ship and stuff. So what did you think of Grudge? Grudge kind of scares me. Grudge, I feel like, could take <laughs> me down. <laughs> you know, Grudge is a big cat. Uh, cute. And I do love the scenes with Grudge because it's just, you know, I like the little cuteness stuff that comes up every once in a while. I think my favorite Grudge scene is when Tilly was holding Grudge like, and Grudge got on her back and she's like, okay, oh no, I can't, no, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, I think that's my favorite scene. I'd like to see more Tilly and Grudge scenes. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun because apparently Tilly doesn't do well with cats is, is what the character said. Now, Mary Wiseman is another story. Apparently she loves cats. And I think that came across a little bit in that scene as well. Because well, her husband's last name is Cats, right? Well, there you go. Yeah. Averback cats. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, and we have the book of grudge that is coming yes. out. So we'll have to uh, keep an eye out for that and talk a bit about that when that comes out. Yes. That comes out December 7th. So look out for that from the hero collection, Eagle Moss. Let's stick with cats, I guess, for now. We have, there's, there's kind of different categories of pets and cats is, is a big category here. And of course, Probably the most famous cat in all of Star Trek and right up there with Grudge is Spot, Data's cat. Now, I'm going to throw a little wrench into the works here because which Spot are we talking about? I was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> so when we first see Spot, she he is uh, a completely different breed. I can't remember the breed. But then later on, we see Spot and he's an orange tabby cat and then transforms into a female tabby cat in season seven of TNG and gives birth to kittens. So what is your now, Bruce, you're famous for twisting parts of canon so that they make sense and make making sense of all that stuff. What is your fix for the spot dilemma? Oh, wow. I've, I feel like we talked about this one time and I came up with something <laughs> and I can't remember exactly what it was. I think one of the ideas was that the it's always been a different spot that, you know, maybe a spot dies and so he gets another cat and just keeps calling them spot, you know, like, like maybe there's spot one, two, three, and four, but he just doesn't call them spot two, three, and four. They're just all spot. That's one thing. But I don't know. I remember there was something about, I don't know. I think one other thing is like, you know, data is probably doing kind of like some experiments where the sex <laughs> of the cat and this type of cat changes. I don't know. There's, there's gotta be something where data is doing something that causes the cat to change. Yeah. There's, there's the old joke that data is a very bad cat owner and also very unimaginative. So you know, accidents keep befalling Spot or keeps getting new ones. I think that Worf somehow does something where he kills the first Spot by accident. Something, oh, no. Some accident <laughs> happens. And so he goes to replace it, but he doesn't pay that much attention to cats. So he doesn't remember what exactly the cat looked like. So he just got a cat and hoped that Data wouldn't notice. And then Data is like, hmm, Spot looks a little different. And Worf just says, cats do that. They they change over time. And then Data's like, hmm, mm -hmm. interesting. And then something else happens and 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 poor Worf has to replace the cat again. <laughs> <And> he <laughs> keeps replacing the cat and Data doesn't really notice, but does. And they just explain it away. And so Data just accepts that. I'm just picturing Worf and Geordi in collusion on this of trying to convince Data that it's still the same spot. I like that. Or Spot is just maybe a, a shapeshifter of some sort. And we did talk about that one time. I remember <laughs> that was the other thing. I like I like the idea that Worf accidentally keeps killing Spot and replacing him. And then he gets the nickname on the ship as the Spot Remover. Ooh. I like it. <laughs> 
you know, it's funny you bring up spot one, spot two and spot three and stuff. One pet that I didn't put on this list is actually from Star Trek Picard. And we meet spot two, according to Alton Sung in uh, the last couple episodes of the series. So it was at that moment that I remember they said, oh, this is spot two. And I was like, really? Two? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. We'll believe that. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but that, that's the other thing. I mean, we just assume that Spot is an Earth cat, you know, and maybe mm-hmm. to your point, like shape-shifting, maybe there, it's a species of cat from some other planet that, you know, it changes over time. And it, maybe it lives for, be. you know, 100 years. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a couple other cats on this list and the, and the main pets of Star Trek. Uh, I'm going to jump to Chester which is, do you remember who Chester is? Well, that's the one thing I want to mention to everybody listening is Dan put this list together and a lot of them I recognize and some I don't, but I didn't want to look them up. I want to like discover this as we're discussing this. I don't know who Chester is. I don't remember, but I'm just going to guess maybe from Voyager. That's just a guess. Not quite. From Deep Space Nine. And... There's a sixth season episode called Honor Among Thieves, where Miles O'Brien is undercover for Starfleet Intelligence, uh, spying on this guy named Bilby. And what ends up happening is he has to betray Bilby and Bilby ends up having to basically go meet his death. But he has a cat named Chester and Miles O'Brien at the end of this mission takes Chester and basically adopts him as his own pet. And I always thought, you know, Star Trek is bad for this, where we get something like that and then we never see them again. But we do see Chester again later on in, um, I think, most notably in the episode Time's Orphan. And we see that Molly has really taken to Chester and loves having him as a pet now. So he does stick around a bit and we see him again. Nice. Yeah, Chester's a cutie, you know, gray and white. Uh, I'm looking at Chester now. I hadn't forgotten about that one. That's a good one. That's that's a good one, Dan. That's one I would not have thought of. <laughs> so there is one other cat on this list. Do you know which one of this the remaining pets on this main list is is a cat? So not on the honorable mentions list. Does that include that? Okay. Just on the, just going on the main list. Uh, why I, I'm not going to name them. Uh, uh, gosh, I'm going to, it's between two. There's one in here. I'm not sure. I'm going to say it's Neelix. You are absolutely correct. Do you know who owned a cat named Neelix? Was it Naomi? No, actually it was Reginald Barkley. Oh my gosh. Yes, I remember that now. <laughs> I do remember this. Yes, I was I was thinking when you made this list, I was like, Neelix, I was like, wasn't that a cat? And I'm thinking it's got to be on Voyager. But yes, I remember that. <laughs> I, was, I was wondering what you thought of having Neelix on this list. And if it was like, did Janeway consider Neelix a pet? What's going on here? But <laughs> nope, this is for the cat named Neelix owned by Reg Barkley. Uh, I think we only see Neelix in the one episode, Pathfinder, a beautiful white cat. And uh, yeah, kind of getting into Deanna Troy's ice cream, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yes, that's a good one. Well, I haven't watched that episode in a while. Now I want to go watch that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Again, I probably wouldn't have thought of that off the top of my head. Well, that's it for the cats on the main list. Now, honorable mentions, we do also have a cat. Uh, and that would be Tasha Yar's cat from the TNG episode where no one has gone before. We see a little bit of a flashback when their memories, their their thoughts are creating reality. And we see that she had a cat on Turkana 4 when she lived there, the failed Federation colony. And the reason I did add this to the list at the last minute is because we get a little bit more about this cat in a novel that we read for a uh, book club episode. I think it was Survivors, a TNG ep- a TNG novel by Jean Laura. And we get a little bit about that cat in this no- novel. I can't remember if it's named at all. I'm, I think it must be, but I can't remember the name. So I just have it here as Tasha's cat. So not an official big featured one, but definitely an honorable mention. That's a good one. Yeah. I didn't remember Tasha's cat. Uh, yeah. We read Survivors. I don't remember... Yeah, if there was a name. But again, that's one I would not have thought of. 
Well, I guess uh, we should probably move on to dogs because that's the other major pet category. And, you know, if you're ask if you're asking me to choose, I would say that I am a dog person. Would you say you're a dog person or a cat person? Oh, man, I hate this question. <laughs> that's the big question, right? And you don't have to choose, but... Well, no, because I've always thought of myself as a dog person. I, you know, as I mentioned earlier in the show, I had a dog when I was a kid. And, I mean, I would say that was... I hope my other pets in heaven aren't listening right now. But I would say that was my favorite pet of all time. And I was never really that interested in having cats. But when you were talking earlier about having apartments... That's one reason why I end up with a cat because my girlfriend at the time, you know, we were talking. I was like, I'd kind of like to have a pet, but I didn't want a dog because I was barely at home. Like I was always out. I was single and I was always out and I was always doing stuff. I was like, I just felt like the dog being trapped in the apartment and I'm not there to let it out to do its things and all that stuff. So that's why I got a cat. But I still don't have a dog for two reasons. One, again, it's just to me, it's like, you know, I have to take it out walking and do other things with it. Cats, they're kind of do their own thing. So that makes it easy. Plus, my wife is allergic to dogs. So, but I would like to have another dog someday. I just don't know if that's going to happen because of her allergies. But I would say I'm a dog person. Yeah, I'm definitely a dog person myself. Uh, I have had cats and dogs, but yeah, dogs to me are, have always been my favorite pet. So you can imagine how excited I was and how happy I was to see the the wonderful beagle that belongs to Captain Archer in Star Trek Enterprise, Porthos, uh, played by a couple different beagles, most often played by a female beagle named Breezy, apparently. But yeah, Porthos just added such an amazing bit to Enterprise. I always loved seeing it. I actually have a next door neighbor now who owns a beagle. She's quite a bit older than Porthos was, but you know, I definitely see Porthos in her. So I'm like, ah, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I was prepared to come on the show and have you ask me out of all the Star Trek pets, which one is my favorite. So I'm just going to say it's Porthos because, okay. again, I think I like dogs better than cats. But again, I've had now four cats, I guess. But, you know, I, I don't know. Porthos was just there a lot. You know, it's the captain's dog. He was so cute. He even got a comic. He's the only comic in Star Trek Enterprise ever to be published. And it was about Porthos, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's special right there. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I'm a huge Porthos fan. I was thinking of like that might be how we wrap this up is ask who your favorite is. But spoiler alert, it's the same for me too. Porthos is my, yeah, Porthos is my favorite Star Trek pet for sure. Yeah. Yeah. If I got a beagle, I'd want to name it Porthos. That'd be pretty cool. We should also talk about the Mirror Universe Porthos, I guess. We only see him very briefly, but, uh, you know, definitely a a much meaner looking dog than the lovely little beagle that we get in Enterprise. So, yeah, there's that. There's that as well. (laughs) Yes. I like our prime universe Porthos the best. Definitely. Well, other dogs in Star Trek history, Star Trek Picard came along. And I remember the run-up to the series, I was really excited to meet number one, uh, Picard's dog from Star Trek Picard, who didn't have as big a role in the show as I was kind of hoping that he would, but still very lovely to see uh, this dog. What did you think of number one? Well, isn't Patrick Stewart a big proponent of pit bulls? Mm-hmm. Some a lot of people raise their pit ball, raise their pit bulls in the wrong manner, make them aggressive, and he's trying to show that they can be sweet dogs. And so, I think he wanted this dog in the series. But then I've also heard that this dog was a bit of a difficult thing on the set that they had some issues not nothing bad but just like having to retakes and the dog's not doing what they need to do and that's why in one of the early scenes in the first episode Porthos is sent inside just to get him off the set because <laughs> he was like not doing what they needed him to do but I mean that's behind the scenes but number one the dog on the show I thought it was cute I thought it was cute to have that dog there for Jean-Luc Picard and oh number one you know and it also kind of creeped me out that he called it number one because you know I thought (laughs) is that how we felt about Will Riker he just wanted to like reach up and just scratch his head and go oh number one (laughs) (laughs) well I feel like if Picard equated Riker's loyalty to that of a trusted companion like a dog 
I think of that as a compliment. <laughs> <Yes>. so. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Number one added a lot to the show. I think wish she could have been in, in there more, but yeah, like you, I, I'd heard that he was a little bit difficult. So that's, that's too bad for sure. Yeah. The other dog on this list is definitely uh, one that, I don't know if maybe it deserved a place on the like main list here, but I wanted to put her on this list. And that is of course the dog from Star Trek lower decks, uh, season one Tendy's genetic experiment. And, and again, for a couple of reasons, maybe doesn't belong in this list. She's only in the one episode. And is she really a pet? She seems kind of sentient and uh, goes to live on the farm where the, the Starfleet medical oddities people all live. So I don't know. And, and not a normal dog by any stretch either, but I did want to talk a little bit about her because I think she's so cool. Wow. Okay. That one got me. Cause on the list I was like, <laughs> what is the dog? dog that's so generic <laughs> and i thought i knew what it might be but i totally forgot yeah lower decks that's not what i was thinking that's not what i was thinking at all yeah i think this counts as a pet for sure now it just remind me of dynamut dynamut was an old hanna Barbera character that was like cousins with scooby-doo or something because <laughs> he wasn't like a real dog but he still was a dog or whatever but yeah good call yeah i forgot about the dog from Lower Decks. It, you know, we need more pets in Lower Decks. I think that show mm. could really play off pets in a big way. Yeah. We know there are at least a couple other dogs on the ship because the one at the end of that episode licks Tendy. And Tendy's like, well, what the hell? Dog, dogs lick people? Gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for honorable mentions for dogs, uh, I had Molly who is Janeway's dog and we never actually really meet her. So that's why she's just on the honorable mentions list. We see a picture of her a couple times, most notably in the series premiere of Voyager. Uh, but we never really get to meet her, but she's a beautiful, I think Labrador. Yeah. I could be wrong about that, but I think you're right. Yeah. That one. Yeah. I do remember that one. I do remember thinking, you know, Molly, Yes, but you're right. We never get to meet Molly. We just see the picture. I think we probably have had novels where Molly's in. I just can't I think recall. so, yeah. Yeah. Well, and of course, the autobiography of Catherine Janeway, I think, mentions her uh, by Una McCormick. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. good one. Keep it going. Okay, so <laughs> I, I'm holding the ones that I think are not on this list. I, ha I do have two of them now. Cool. Well, I've got two more pets, I think, that are on like the main list. And uh, one of them is only in one episode, but I think is influential enough that it deserves to be on this list. And that is Spock's pet Salot, Aichea, from the animated series episode Yesteryear. And this is a, a wonderful episode, probably my favorite episode of the animated series, where Spock uses the Guardian of Forever to go back in time to guide himself as a young man. And over the course of the episode, we meet Aichea, who's his pet Salot, who ends up dying and uh, is a great life lesson, a, a, a very influential moment for young Spock as he learns the lesson of, of uh, what this imparts to him and, and what he learns from this. So yeah, Aichea, I think, definitely deserves a place on the list of great pets of Star Trek. I totally agree with that. And this episode, now I'm thinking about it, is probably one of the best Star Trek episodes to deal with pets, you know? Oh, here, here. Absolutely. So I remember hearing something, and maybe it was from the animated series book by our friend Aaron Harvey, that, you know, there was some worry, or maybe that, you know, because of Saturday mornings, like, are kids going to be okay watching a pet die, you know? I mean, but... Yeah, that it was a very emotional, touching scene, and I I liked I liked Aichea. Yeah. Well, my final one for the main list before we get to the ones that you're thinking of and and the honorable mentions here is of course uh, a pet that we see in many 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 episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation, but very rarely mentioned, very rarely acknowledged, and that is Livingston 
the lionfish that Picard keeps in his ready room. So a different kind of pet. You know, I know there's a lot of fish owners out there and I want to acknowledge that those relationships can be meaningful as well, for sure. So, uh, yeah, basically, uh, we see this fish for most of the series, a little bit of controversy surrounding the fish. I know Patrick Stewart apparently wasn't a fan of Picard keeping a fish in his ready room, thinking it was like in the future, they wouldn't entrap animals like that. But, uh, the decision was apparently made to keep it around over his, uh, probably not too vociferous objections, but we do know he has mentioned that he was displeased with that idea. Yeah, I do remember hearing that. But then, you know, the fish was killed, right? When the Enterprise D crashed. <laughs> I'm assuming Ooh. that's when Livingston stopped being living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think we, we see the fish tank at the end of Generations and it looks like dark and empty. So yeah. I don't know, maybe he survived and he just got moved before then, before we see Picard and Riker cleaning up the ready room. I don't know. I hope he lived. <laughs> or maybe Spot got to him. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> Ship crashes and Spot's like, oh, opportunity, and went in and ate the fish, and then the fish changed Spot's sex. So there you go. <laughs> Again. Oh, no. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, Bruce, for main pets... Were there any that you wanted to add to the list that I haven't thought of? I mean, I don't know if the ones I'm thinking of are considered main pets. I would say not. Okay. So we can include them with the honorable mentions here. Yeah. And most of these are ones that we see once or maybe aren't that important, I guess. I don't want to say that. Every pet is important. But uh, maybe maybe they belong to somebody who's not really a main character or something like that. And that's the case for the first one on the list, which is Commander Krug from Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. Beside his captain's chair, he had this really big, ugly dog thing. And he seemed quite distraught when this pet died during uh, his attack on the Enterprise. So I just wanted to give a little shout out here, a Klingon and his dog. You know, that's an important relationship. Yeah, because this is the only Klingon dog we've seen, right? Yeah, if you don't count Targs, and I don't think this is meant to be a Targ yeah, because I don't think so he looks quite a bit different. Yeah, and he didn't get a name, right? So... No, nope, not that I'm aware of. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he's not prominent. He's He's there, <laughs> but he's not a big piece of the movie. But, you know, we're right there with Krug. When uh, he's very upset over the death of this pet. so Yeah, but he didn't start screaming the death to the... Oh, you know, yeah. Stovacore. Yeah, he should have opened the, the dog's eyes and yelled to the heavens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, next on this list, we have Christina. I have no idea who this is. Okay, I was curious <laughs> about this. So, season six TNG episode, Realm of Fear... And this is the episode where Reg Barkley is afraid of using the transporter and is seeing things in the transporter and stuff. At the end of that episode, Miles O'Brien, the transporter chief at the time, reveals to Barkley that he had a phobia as well. And that phobia was of spiders. But now he has a pet tarantula named Christina. And we see this uh, tarantula at the very end of the episode, and it crawls its way up Barkley's arm and it's hilarity ensues and stuff. So that's Christina and we never see her again. We never get her mentioned on deep space nine. Don't know if she came with him to DS nine or anything like that. This is the only mention we ever have of Christina. Well, that, that just shows if there's a pet of Reg Barkley's, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one was, this is miles O'Brien's pet. Oh, this but, is miles. Yeah. Well, anytime Barkley's involved, I guess I don't remember the pet. So but yeah, I'm looking at right now, Realm of Fear, that episode. Yes, I see that here on Memory Alpha. So good call. Yep, I would not have remembered this one at all. Well, the next one you probably remember. It's in a few episodes, but I put it on the honorable mentions because Flox explicitly says that she's not a pet. But I think she's kind of a pet. And that's Flox's Pyrithian bat. So we know Flox keeps a menagerie of animals for medicinal purposes. 
And this particular bat, he even talks to at times. And every once in a while, she gets out of her cage and Phlox has to lure her back into her cage. Probably most prominently seen in the episode A Night in Sick Bay. I, I don't know how popular the episode is. I know a lot of people hate it. Some people like it. That's all put aside. But yeah, Phlox's Pyrethian bat, I think, deserves a little bit of a shout out. That's good. That bat deserves its own comic, too. If Porthos got one, the bat deserves one, too. Especially since Halloween's right around the corner. Yeah, no, that's good. Because, yeah, Flax has a bunch of creatures. And, yes, this one he's particularly fond of, for sure. Well, I'm going to jump around on this a little bit. Because in the same episode that we learned about Tasha Yar's cat, we also learn about Worf's Targ. And we get to see this Targ manifest itself on the bridge and there's a particular reason I wanted to bring up this Targ. And again, this is in the episode where no one has gone before from the first season. But this particular animal was played by a pig, maybe a boar, I can't remember. But this animal left its mark on Star Trek because apparently while filming this episode, there was a small bit of uh, urination happened. <laughs> no way. I don't think I've heard this. <laughs> Yep, on the Enterprise Bridge, on the carpet. And apparently that stain is there for a little while and can be... I've, I, I've not seen it, but it's been said that it can be seen in other episodes uh, until the carpet is changed. So <laughs> that's the power of Worf's power of thought, right? Because this, this animal only manifests itself because of the area of space they're in. But Worf's memories of this animal are so strong that the mark that it leaves on the bridge in his imagination stays there afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> that's some powerful imagination. <laughs> it stains the carpet. That That's a good one. Gosh. Okay, I didn't know about the peeing. On the, that, this is why, folks, they decided to remaster TNG in HD. <laughs> so you can clearly see the mark from the Targ. <laughs> Definitely. Absolutely. Uh, well, another one I wanted to bring up is Leonard, and this is the only one on the list that I had to look up because I could not remember his name. I could not remember his name. And do you know where Leonard is from? Oh, man, I don't. This, Yeah, I saw this popping up on the notes right when we were going to record. So this is like a last minute thing that you came up with. Len I keep thinking of Leonard Nimoy, of course, you know, I'm thinking, so it must be named after him in a sense. So can I guess the series or where Leonard might appear? Sure. So, absolutely. Leonard. Is this, oh gosh, I have no idea. This isn't in TOS, right? No. No. I'm going to say, is it an Enterprise? No. Voyager. Yes. Voyager. And is this an Earthbound pet? No. Oh, okay. I don't know. Who's Leonard? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Master of Holography, Dr. Lewis Zimmerman, lives on Jupiter Station. And on Jupiter Station, he has a number of hologram companions, one of whom is there's a lizard named Leonard. Uh, that he has created as a hologram. Leonard is notable for being a bit of a mimic. That's what I remember from the episode where Deanna Troy yells at both the doctor and Louis Zimmerman and says, you're both jerks. And she storms out and Leonard is there and he says, jerks. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How did, so that just popped into your head right before we recorded. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to admit I was straining my brain to think which ones that I missed that you might've come up with. And I was like, oh, maybe, maybe it was that lizard from, and I couldn't remember his name. So I did have to look him up. <laughs> nice. That's a good one. I'm sure we're going to uh, miss something, you know? Oh, I'm, I'm sure we are. This isn't going to be a definitive list, but yeah, I'm sure we've missed a few. The last one. That's on my honorable mentions list. And actually, I did think of another one, but I'll, I'll put that aside in Ooh, case good. it's the one you thought. I've of. thought of two more. Ooh, okay. <laughs> well, on the honorable mentions, we have Khan's Seti Eel from Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. Now, the reason I put this on the list, because obviously he uses it as a torture device and all this stuff, not really a pet, but he outright says 
to Chekhov and Terrell before he puts these the the young of this creature in their ears. He says, these are pets, of course, not quite domesticated. <laughs> so he calls them pets. So I put I put him on the list here. I think that counts. When I saw this on the list, I'm like, really? That's these things are pets. And I'm like, oh, no, wait, he does call them pets. So that's literally the only reason they're on the list yes. because of Khan's little bit of a quip there. Yep. I think that definitely counts. That's not a pet that I want though. No, not so much. <laughs> I'll feed it to a snake, but that's about it. <laughs> so the one that I thought of, and I'm curious if this is one of the ones that you thought of. Okay. There's a plant in Star Trek, the original series in a scene with Sulu and Rand and they argue a bit about whether it's a boy or a girl plant. So they have different names for it. But one of them is Beauregard. I can't remember the other name, but it's it's that silly plant in the episode, The Man Trap. I think the very first aired episode, it's very obviously like a hand in a pink glove coming out of a green thing. Yeah. And I think Sulu calls it a pet. Okay. I think. That's not one I was thinking of. Okay. Would that count as a pet? Maybe. Yeah. If he calls it his pet or whatever. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Again, I would not have come up with that. <laughs> that just makes me believe, yeah, we're going to miss something, of course. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. So, I since we've been, I, I love when we do these things because then I'm always like, oh, I can't think of anything else. And maybe I think of one thing. And I was so proud before we recorded because I was like, oh, I think I've thought of one that's not on Dan's list. And it's like, I expect Dan to think of everything that, you know, and that he'll think of everything that I would think of and more. But yet I thought of one. And now as we record, I think of more. Actually, there was one. Let me back up. Before I reveal this one, there was another one that I thought might was on your list. But then I realized it's not. And it was one of the first pets. When you brought this topic to me, it was one of the first pets I thought of. So when I saw your list and it said the dog, I thought, well, maybe that's what this is. And I'm thinking of the canine from The Enemy Within. Okay. So when I saw yeah. your list said the dog, I was like, that's probably what he means by the dog is that little, <laughs> and I just looked it up. It's the alpha 177 canine <laughs> that they mm -hmm. beam up. Cause when you said Star Trek pets, it was one of the first ones that popped in my mind. Cause I always thought it was cute. <laughs> that's a good call. I, I did. It did pop into my head. I didn't even put it on the honorable mentions list, but I maybe should have. Yeah, it definitely would count. It's uh, I think they call it a, a sample <laughs> of the life forms of the planet or something. Yeah. But yeah, somebody must have inherited. I guess both of them died though when it split. Yeah. So. I mean, it technically it wasn't anybody's pet. So, mm -hmm. but it's, it's played by a dog, which is a pet. That's why I thought of it. So that's true. I bet I know what one of your other ones is, by the way, thinking of the original series. So, oh, well, the other ones I'm thinking are not in the original series. So now I want to oh, know okay. what you're thinking. Well, I did mention that I had a cat named Tribble and the Tribbles oh. did start out as Ahura's pet yes. that she bought there. So I could count that, I think. The, I think absolutely those should be on the top i why didn't i even think of it? yeah <laughs> tribbles there are pets on star trek for sure absolutely 100 mm -hmm. if not the famous most famous pets from star that's trek, true right so duh i could just hear people like you guys finally caught up <laughs> i've been saying all along, right tribbles. oh my god <laughs> dan even said tribble at the start of the episode <laughs> with his cat name oh <laughs> Yeah, that's so strange that we didn't think of it that way. I think because we're thinking of mm -hmm. pets that we see, like, I, I, yeah. I don't know, like on Earth, the dogs and cats and things. But then yet we mentioned some other things. I don't know. Good call. I'm glad you got that in here. Okay, so I woke up this morning and I thought, well, what pets do I like in Star Trek? I'm laying in bed and I'm just like, you know, I knew we we're going to talk about this. And I thought, what are some of my favorite pets that I thought were really cute? And this one popped in my head almost immediately. It's like, oh, yeah, I always thought this was so cute. But I wasn't sure of the name. And I looked it up and I noticed I don't, you know, oh, it's not on your list. But it's from Star Trek Insurrection. The little, oh. model, the little worm-like thing on the back. Yeah, the planet. little... The little pocket pet, yeah. I think, is what the production people called it. Yeah. I always oh, thought it was call. so cute. I always loved that little guy. <laughs> oh, good catch. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, Artem's little pet. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
That's it. So that's the one that I was so proud of that I came up with that wasn't on your list. Very nicely done. Yeah. So as we were recording, I came up with some more, but I don't know. I don't know if you'd really consider this a pet per se, but I'm just kind of throwing it out there as like an honorable mention, but George and Gracie. Mm, I was wondering if you'd mention that. You know, it's like, they're not really pets, but they, you know, they were kind of Jillian Taylor's pets in a sense. Kind of. They're, they're sentient creatures. It has to be acknowledged. They're, they're intelligent beings. And as Spock says, they are not the hell your whales. But right, I I can see it, it. It passed through my mind, but I guess we did put the dog from Lower Decks on there as well, and she seems to be a sentient creature as well. Right. So, yeah, that's why it's kind of loose, you know. But she, you know, Jillian was taking care of them and felt ownership towards them, and that's sort of, so you know. But yeah, mm. that popped in my mind as we were talking. But yeah, I wouldn't really consider them pets. But like I said, just kind of an honorable mention, just like this last one that came up to mind. It's not technically a pet, but I think Janeway thought the monkey, in a sense, was kind of her pet. Oh, wow. (laughs) I haven't seen that episode in ages. That's a good call. Resolutions, I believe, is the episode. Yeah. Chakotay, look, it's it's the monkey again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a good call. That's a good call. Cool. That's a great list. I mean, I think we pretty much exhausted Star Trek pets, although I'm sure there's some out there. There's some one-offs that, you know, there's when Archer vacations on Ryza and the Tendaran agent who grills him for information, her little dog, I think his name is Rilo or something like that. There's Yeah, there's all kinds of little one-off pets as well, like not of main characters. I'm hoping there's nothing glaring that we've missed. Like the trill. I mean, not the trill, like the tribbles. <laughs> I would say the trill. No, trill are not pets. Like the tribble. That was a glaring. That that yeah. definitely is one. We, we got there eventually. Yeah. But what, what, what were the, was the glomer, the things that ate the tribbles? Oh, yeah, yeah. Is that, yeah. Is that From, a pet? Could be to, the, yeah, maybe. From more tribbles, more troubles. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. That's, a, that's an interesting thought. I'm surprised Wesley didn't have a pet. Hmm. Maybe the nanites? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm also surprised Jake didn't have a pet either. Oh, yeah. There's a, oh, there's there's a creature called a Corvan Gilvos that, uh, it's, it's this weird little puppety creature that we see in the next generation. And then we see it later when uh, Quark becomes the Nagus briefly in the season one Deep Space Nine episode, the Nagus, and they're doing like a take on the scene from The Godfather where he's got the pet in his, <laughs> yes. like, and it's that thing. So well, there's there's that. <laughs> yeah, we could probably think of more if we sat here for a while. Little things like that, yeah. Well, is there anything out there in our audience that, that you can think of that we totally missed, please let us know, reach out to us positively Trek at gmail.com. Join us on our Facebook discussion group at the positively Trek discussion group, or reach out to us on Twitter at positively Trek or on Instagram also at positively Trek. And Bruce, when you're not wondering how the heck you can get a dog uh, that won't upset your wife's allergies, where can we find you? Actually, I think there are dogs that she might not be alert that are, you know, whatever. Um, You can find me on Twitter (laughs) at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline Rex. And you can find me on the Star Wars report occasionally and literary treks occasionally. Awesome. And you can find me on Twitter at Kurtrats on YouTube.com slash Kurtrats Productions. And of course, as I mentioned, in the Positively Trek discussion group, uh, my favorite hangout on the Internet So thank you all so much for listening this week. We're going to have a book club episode for you coming soon with book one of Coda by Dayton Ward. We're excited to have him on the show to talk about it. So stay tuned for that. And thank you so much to the Patreon supporters for all of your help in bringing these episodes to you. We could not do it without you. Thank you so much. We'll see you in the next episode. Until then, as always, stay positive. Oh, 
shoot. There was one, one thing I was going to mention. Uh, I was going to put Captain Picard on the list um, because Data says about Q, he says, the re- your relationship with Q has always been analogous as, to one between an owner and his beloved pet. And everybody looks at him. He's like, that was only an analogy, sir. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good call right there. <laughs> Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.